Praise God. Feels good to be alive. Acts 1, verse 4. Once when Jesus was eating with them, he commanded them, Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. One of my friends started a church in another country, and I saw a video today. Somebody ran over the tops of the pews during the message and punched him in the face while he was preaching. I wish somebody would try that in Fort Worth. I've been running my mouth for four nights, hoping to stir somebody up and can't get anybody interested. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway, just figured I'd share. Everybody say, thank God for Texas. Yeah, I'm glad I'm in Texas. Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say baptized. Say in the Holy Spirit. So remember, Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until you've been clothed with power. So you get baptized in water, you come up, there's water all over you. And Jesus said, the same way John baptized you in water, I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, and you'll be clothed in his power. And then he further extrapolates on it in verse 8. And you will receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you and will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Acts 2.1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers. Everybody say all the believers. Yeah, not the 12 apostles. All the believers were meeting together in one place. Anybody that tells you this was for the first 12 apostles uh, is illiterate or dishonest or something. Because the Bible says everybody was meeting there and everybody was filled with the Holy Ghost. All the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. Turn to Acts chapter 8. Hechos capital 8. Acts 8. Verse 4. The only evangelist you have on record in the Bible. Acts 8, 4. But the believers who were scattered preached the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miracles that he did. For many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. A good summary of last night. And many who had been paralyzed were lame, or lame were healed, so there was great joy in the city. And you saw we had both things happen last night. You have an evil spirit leave, then everybody start laughing. Because when the oppressor leaves, then joy comes for free. Can you say amen? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should have been here last night. But it's Wednesday. There's a bunch of people that come Sunday and Wednesday. You could have 90 blind people healed Sunday. They're not coming back till Wednesday. So welcome. Hope you feel good tonight. 
Verse 9, a man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. 11, they listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believe Philip's message of the gospel concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles that Philip performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard, now listen to this. I read all that to get to here. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to... Prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers. Who'd they lay their hands on? Well, I believe that. How many of you know we believe here that when you're saved, you automatically receive the Holy Spirit? Well, too bad Peter and John weren't as brilliant as you. And wasted so much time going to Samaria to lay hands on people who already had the Holy Spirit. Too bad the Holy Spirit's not as brilliant as you. And had it written in the Bible that none of these believers had yet received the Holy Spirit. Is the book of Acts written before Christ or after the resurrection of Christ? Yeah, so these were New Testament believers that had not yet received the Holy Spirit. You know, you, you, your mind doesn't work right if you can't see this. People just, you know, basically pick a position and want to stay with it regardless of what the Bible says. And so the Bible says in verse 18, when Simon the sorcerer saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. So notice there was a visible transference of power that a sorcerer said in verse 18 or 19, let me have this power too, he exclaimed. So he had worked in the demonic realm, but he had never seen anything like this. So that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. Turn to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. While, uh, Acts 19, verse 1. While Apollos was in Corinth, so that was Peter. So you have Jesus speaking in Acts 1, Peter in Acts chapter 8, and now here's Paul in Acts 19. So, you know, most people would consider them three experts on the Christian faith. Acts 19.1, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Everybody say several believers. So they're already saved. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Take your same Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians 14. First Corinthians 14. 
Bible has about one more meeting left. Then it's going to get retired. 1 Corinthians 14.1. Let love be your highest goal. You'd think the sentence ended there. I mean, you know, a lot of these Pentecostals get concerned about the gifts of the Spirit, but the Bible says these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love, amen. As if the Bible has you choose between the gifts of the Spirit and the operation of the power of the Holy Ghost and walking in love. I don't know why people think it's their business as a minister to dissuade people from doing what the Bible says that we're about to read. Covet earnestly the best gifts. Well, Brother Jonathan, what do you, you know, I've met so many people that operate in the gifts of the Spirit, but they don't have any fruit of the Spirit, amen. Who are they? Where did you meet them? Where are these people that raise people from the dead but don't have joy and peace? I don't even believe you. You're full of cow poo-poo. I don't, I don't get it. You know, you have people, what do you think is more important, the gifts of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit? What do you think is more important, eating or breathing? Whatever one you pick, you're going to find out that the other one also is important. Because if somebody's diagnosed with cancer, your personal fruit of the spirit of joy or peace or whatever, faithfulness, isn't going to do anything to help anybody else. So it, it, it's a fruit you have from the spirit, but God didn't just give us fruit of the spirit. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So when it comes to other people, and Christianity is not just about you. It's not Buddhism. You don't get saved and go lock yourself away in a mountain somewhere and just meditate on the scripture. You're supposed to take what you receive from God and then take that light and power to where it's dark and set captives free. Can you say amen? Jesus wasn't taking his disciples to a mountain retreat to withdraw from Israel and stay there for three and a half years. They followed him, and he went for, to all the towns and villages, teaching, preaching, and then healing all the sick and delivering the captives. And then Jesus said, the same work that you see me do, you shall do also. So the same Holy Spirit that gives you love, joy, peace, faithfulness, self-control, that's an inward work. But then there's an outward work that the Holy Spirit wants to do through you. And the Bible sums those up in 1 Corinthians 12, which we're not reading, but I'll just quote it. Three deal with your mouth, three deal with your head, three deal with the action of your body. In fact, when Jesus went to the mountain of transfiguration, how many disciples did he take with him? Three. And each one represents one of those three categories. He took James with him. James wrote one book, and he wrote about the tongue. And how the tongue, like a rudder on a ship, can destroy a ship, though the tongue's the smallest member of the body. It's set on fire by hell itself. And no one can control it. But then James spoke about how the Spirit of God will take the tongue that used to undo you and God will anoint it so you can speak as an oracle of God. Can you say amen? Then you had uh, uh, Peter, you had John. John, if you'd pick what category the three gifts of the, the, the three classifications of the gifts of the Spirit John operated in, you only need to know one book that he wrote. The last book of the Bible is Revelation. So James spoke about the tongue. John's main area of expertise was revelation. 
I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and suddenly there stood one before me whose eyes were like flames of fire, whose feet were like bronze refined in the furnace, whose hair was white like wool. A two-edged sword proceeded out of his mouth and his voice was like the sound of many waters. And I fell as one dead at his feet. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where people fell down in the presence of God. Sorry you bought a Bible on discount because somebody ripped Revelation 1 out. Everybody say, I fell as one dead. Yeah, people have a lot of problems with things that go on in, in Bible meetings, but it's their problem. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where, where Jesus ever spoke about money. Okay, sorry that you were missing a third of the pages in the Gospels. People pop off all this stuff, and it has no basis in Scripture. I fell at his feet as one dead, but he stood me back up on my feet and said, I am the living one who died. But look now, I'm alive and I live forevermore. And I hold the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And now take a pen and write the things down. I, I, I'm showing you, for they speak of things to come. Everybody say things to come. Yeah, so you have in chapter 13, by the, revela- by the word of wisdom, gift of the Spirit, a man in 92 A.D., write down that a day will come where no one can buy or sell without receiving a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. That, that wasn't possible in 1972, let alone 92 A.D. There was no technology for that. And now all the things that are out now, John already knew about them. And so he operated in the revelatory gift. And then the third disciple he took out was Peter. Peter operated in the power gifts, gift of faith, working of miracles, gifts of healing. Peter had them lay the sick on the street in Acts chapter 5 that perchance his shadow might fall across them and they would be healed. Peter jerked the crippled man up to his feet and said, rise and walk in the name of Jesus. And immediately the man began to walk. Peter's the one that when he went to go see Dorcas who had died, Tabitha, and they were all crying and showing him all the beautiful coats she made, sent everybody out of the room, knelt down and prayed, and then turned to the body and said, Tabitha, wake up. And immediately she sat up and he presented her back to the other believers. So you have these three classifications of the gifts of the Spirit. Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration took one disciple with him, that it was an expert in each one, and then came down the mountain and told us that the day will come, that while, I, while I'm here, the Holy Spirit's with you. But it's better for you. Everybody say better for me. If you go, if I go, then if I stay. Why? Because if I stay, you know, think about it. The disciples were, Jesus, quit saying you're going to go back to heaven. We like you. We want you to stay. Jesus finally said in John 14, you think I'm going back to heaven because I want to go back? I'm not going for me. It's better for you if I go than if I stay. For if I stay, I cannot send another. He is the Holy Spirit who is with you now, but later will be in you. And then he told in Acts chapter 1 what will happen when he comes on the inside of you. You will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Jesus knew. Think of this. When Samson got extra ticked off at the Philistines, Samson said, the job that I want to do against the enemy is more than one man can do. And so he tied 300 foxes' tails together and sent them out 150 pairs with their tails lit on fire and they burned down the fields of the Philistines. 
That's a type of what happened on the day of Pentecost. Where instead of there being one Jesus, who wherever he was, people could get healed. He instead took the same spirit that raised him from the dead, filled us with that power. And now there's a bunch of foxes with their tails on fire, charged to go out into the fields of the enemy and burn them down in Jesus' name. If you know that's why you're on the earth today, clap those hands, all ye people, and give God a mighty shout of praise. Everybody say, it's better for me. And then Jesus told why it's better for you. If I go, if I stay, I cannot send another. He is the Holy Spirit who's with you now, but later will be in you. So actually, if you refuse to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's actually worse than that Jesus left. That's why in all those churches that don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they say, well, wouldn't it be great if Jesus was alive today? First of all, he is alive today. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could live back then and walk with him? You know, exactly contrary to what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm not making a worse plan. I'm making a better plan. Everybody say, better plan. You know, and then if, if, if people won't reject that, then they actually say the opposite of what Jesus said. Boy, it would have been wonderful if he lived because he healed the sick. And he would heal you, but he's not here. So they actually start teaching that we're under a worse covenant than we were back then. But we're not under a worse covenant. Hebrews 8, 6 says, we now have a better covenant based on better promises. But in order to receive the benefit of that better covenant, you have to open your spirit to receive the infilling and baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire. And that's what that Wednesday, this Wednesday night's about. It's not for you to hear about a doctrine. God has a gift for you called the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. It's for you. It's for your children. It's for your children's children. Yea, to those who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God would call. Let love be your highest goal. But that's not the end of the verse. But also desire the gifts of the Spirit. Especially the gift of prophecy. Which is why some people teach, since he singled that one out, Howard Carter. If you've never heard of him, you can look him up when you go home. But he, he was a conscientious objector in World War I. And you know, back at the turn of the century, nobody had any revelation on this stuff. It all died out in the dark ages. Now people always spoke in tongues and studied all through church history. But nobody had any revelation, any revelation on it. They just thought, you know, the baptism of the Holy Ghost was almost like falling under the power. If it happens, it happens. You enjoy it while it's happening, and then you go back home, and hopefully you get hit again. They didn't understand that you could have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. And so Howard Carter is a conscientious objector in World War I in an English prison camp. So it was like, you know, he said, I don't want to kill German people. I love German people. I've preached in Germany. And so they said, fine. You know, you have the right to conscientiously object, but you had to do hard labor 18 hours a day. So he'd do the hard labor and then go back into his stone cell. And while he was there, he would pray and study the Bible. And as he's there, water's dripping from the ceiling. You know, this isn't some weirdo. This guy used to be the head of the Assemblies of God in England and started a Bible college. Very intelligent British man. And so water's dripping from the ceiling on his head and the cell's so small, there's no way to get away from the water. Anywhere he moved, there was water dripping. And so finally he just called out to God. I wish you would do something about that water. 
And a voice answered out loud, you do something about it. And so since he was in a conversation, he answered back. He said, I can't do anything about it. I can't reach the ceiling. And that voice thundered out. Speak to the water and tell it to reverse direction. And he said, water, reverse direction. And not only did another drop not fall, the drop that had just hit his nose formed back and went up into the ceiling. And then at night, every night that he was in captivity, the Lord would teach him by the Holy Ghost through Scripture of the gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit. And he traveled for the rest of his life everywhere he went teaching on the nine gifts of the Spirit, how they didn't pass away and what each of them were. Because at that time, I mean, I'm already off track, so I'm just going to stay off track. At that time, people taught all crazy stuff about the gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of healings or doctors. Gift of interpretation are those that are uh, blessed to learn multiple language and can translate for people overseas. Gift, they wouldn't call it the word of wisdom. They'd call it the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge. Those are people who God's blessed with brains that they can go to Baylor and become doctors and stuff. But then the Lord began to speak to them that none of these nine gifts are natural gifts. All of them are supernatural gifts. Everybody say supernatural gifts. Yeah, that the working, and then showed them all through the Bible. That Elisha didn't rub leper lotion on Naaman. Elisha gave a prophetic instruction to dip seven times in the water. When he came up, his flesh was as fresh as baby's flesh. Can you say amen? And that's what he taught. And then, of course, God hooked him up with Lester Summerall. I mean, I mean, I might as well just stay off the rails. If you never heard how God hooked Lester Summerall up with Howard Carter. The Lord spoke to Lester Summerall to shut his meeting down in Texas, in Tennessee, and go to Hot Springs, Arkansas, where the Assemblies of God was having one of their first conventions. And Howard Carter was a speaker. But, of course, Lester Summerall didn't know who Howard Carter was. Hardly anybody did. There's no Facebook. Can't, can't look up his YouTube channel and see if he's any good or not. So they have this guy from England that's teaching on the gifts of the Spirit and actually starting to teach the early Pentecostal people that there's more than just speaking in tongues, that that's the entryway into having that nine-pronged manifestation of, of God's Spirit flow through you. So when the meeting gets all done, the church was packed, and it was one of those, you know, like they used to be, where the church was downtown, and you went upstairs, and you were right downtown on the sidewalk, and everybody waited on the sidewalk to meet Howard Carter after the meeting. So he's going down, nice Englishman, shaking everybody's hand, and he gets to Lester Summerall, and Lester Summerall grabs his hand and goes to say, you know, nice, nice message, so nice to meet you. And instead, this just blurts out of his mouth. I will follow you over the highest mountain. I will follow you to the lowest valley. I will cross land and sea with you. And when you're old, I'll take care of you. And when that finished coming out of his mouth, Lester Summerall said, I'm very sorry. I don't normally say stuff. You know, you say it to somebody, you meet them for the first time. Unless you're at some prophetic flag conference, they're going to think you're nuts. If you're at a prophetic flag conference, everybody's nuts anyway. So you'll fit right in. Amen. I knew that'd go over well, but everybody's staring at me anyway, so I'm just going to say what I want. Plus, I'm not taking an offering, so win-win. Amen. You know, you, you go greet an Englishman and say, I'll follow you over the highest mountain. I'll follow you to the lowest valley and all that. <laughs> they think you're nuts. So he apologizes. I'm very sorry. I normally don't say things like that. Please forgive me. And he said Howard Carter grinned. He was in his late 50s at the time and told him what hotel he was staying at and said, come back and see me. And so when he came in, Stanley Frogden was there that wrote the biography on Smith Wigglesworth. 
and Howard Carter in the room. And he walked in. He said, I thought he was going to reprimand me. So you don't say things like that to an older minister. Get your act together. But he said instead he took out a black leather notebook that he wrote down all of his prophecies in that the Lord gave him. And Howard Carter was single his whole life up until the very end of his life. He, he married a widow. But at that point he was single traveling in his 50s. And he prayed, Lord, like Paul had Barnabas, I would love to have somebody to travel with me. And the Lord spoke to him and said, I've prepared a young man for you to travel with you. And this is how you'll know who he is. When you greet him, this is what he'll say. I'll follow you over the highest mountain. I'll follow you to the lowest valley. I'll cross land and sea with you. And when you're old, I'll take care of you. So when Lester Summerall blurted that out by the Holy Ghost, that's why Howard Carter didn't say, who's this nut? And he said, come back to the room. And if you read the story from there, it's pretty powerful. They stayed together the rest of their lives all through Australia, China, Russia, uh, 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 Germany, right up until Hitler started to invade England. That's how he met Smith Wigglesworth, all because of that divine connection. You know, while, while I'm off the rails, let me just conclude it. Many people who are here know what it's like to have wrong people brought into their life. Where it's like somebody came out of nowhere to harm you. But you know God can bring right people into your life that will speed up your destiny in Jesus' name. In fact, in, I'll tell you this right now. In John chapter 2, John chapter 2, Jesus had them gather six pots of water. And then said, as soon as they gathered the water, dip into the water and pour it out. And when they did, it was wine. Wine takes years to make. Back then, wine took like 20 years to make. And when Jesus got involved, what took 20 years took less than one minute. In the name of Jesus Christ, all of the catching up you have to do, all the years that have been lost, from now through December 31st of next year, God is going to accelerate your destiny and bring right people into your path to do what He's called you to do and be who He's called you to be. If you believe that with me tonight, take 15 seconds, clap your hands, all ye people, and give God a mighty, mighty shout of praise. Hallelujah. Well, we're up to five gone. See if I can run the rest of the people out. 1 Corinthians 14. Let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the gifts of the Spirit. Everybody say, covet earnestly. I mean, like, I want, I want to nail this home. Say, covet earnestly. Spiritual gifts. Yeah, no blessing from God falls on people, whether you want it or not. God just uses brother so-and-so in healing. No, he doesn't. Everything with God is a result of spiritual hunger. And that's why all these people in my generation and younger, that's oh, not important, you know. A lot of people seek God for his power, but I seek him for his face, amen. We don't have to seek him for his hand. We seek him for his face. That's the exact opposite of what God himself said in the Psalms. He said, worship me for my mighty miracles. Praise me for my mighty acts. I don't seek God's hand. Now, let me, let me just ask you this. Christmas is just around the corner. If your daughter or your son, you have a little boy or a little girl, they come down the steps on Christmas morning, and you took all that time uh, watching your wife wrap the gifts. I was going to say wrapping the gifts, but then I'd be dishonest. You know, but you really appreciate what she does. 
You, and you did take the time to buy the, the toys and all that. And your daughter comes down the stairs d- December 30, uh, 25th and says, uh, and you say, hey, look, the whole tree, all those are all yours. Knock yourself out. Dad, I don't love you for what you buy me. I love you for who you are. In a real religious Dallas Theological Seminary voice. Would that make you happy or angry? I can't speak for you. When it would get, even telling the story, my blood pressure is up slightly. <laughs> Just thinking of the possibility of it. You know, you'd have to think your kid had a mental problem or something. Because there's no separation between who I am and what I want to do. Yeah, I know you love me. And because you love me, I have gifts for you because I'm well pleased. And the Bible says in Matthew 7, 11, If you fathers being evil know how to give good gifts. I'm going to say good gifts. Yeah, not meet the needs. I mean, I've got to meet the needs. That's actually not in the Bible. What's in the Bible is he anoints your head with oil and your cup overflows, and no good thing, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Psalm 103, he fills my life with good things. And Jesus said, if you fathers being evil know how to give good gifts, not meet the need, give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to all who ask? You have not because you. So wouldn't it make sense that a spirit of unbelief would come into religious leaders to hold a microphone and make you feel bad for desiring the thing that God said he actually wants you to have. Well, they can talk all they want, but I made up my mind. I don't just want salvation. I don't just want peace. I don't just want victory over sin. I want God to endue me with his power to set the captive free, to declare to the captive the time of your release is now. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let love be your highest goal. Because faith worketh by love. The gifts of the Spirit, if they manifest and you don't have any love, the Bible says you're like sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. If you're just trying to get people healed to prove Methodists wrong, you have a problem. If you don't have love for people, it won't flow right. But you can have love. Can you say amen? You can have both. Everybody say, I can have both. Say, I can eat and breathe. Say, I can seek His face. And enjoy his hand. And so you will in Jesus' name. And so you shall in Jesus' name. Desire earnestly spiritual gifts. I would love for the Lord to use me like that. He won't. I can tell you for me. I was praying for people left and right when I first got out of Bible college. Hardly anybody healed. Here's I have a line of people. Hey, I really enjoyed your message. I really believe everything you preached. How come I wasn't healed? After I had to just try to comfort people for a few weeks, it didn't take me long. I thought, this is terrible. People should get healed. It's not their fault. It's my fault. Father, I don't want to have to console people who didn't get healed. I want there to be a line of people to testify like there was in the Bible. And the Lord pointed me to Mark chapter 9. This kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. That there will always be a limitation in your ministry in healing the sick if you don't press in in fasting and prayer. 
Jesus said so. Yeah, the three, three nods. So, because Jesus did it. The disciples already, in Mark chapter 9, the disciples already had authority over all the power of the devil. But they couldn't heal the boy that was deaf and mute and suffered from seizures, and that's why they were confused. That's why people are confused today. Well, the Bible says there's healing, but we don't see it. How many know sometimes God has another? No, God does have another plan. It's up to you to press in to obtain what God said belongs to you. And the entry ticket to the realm of, of healing and miracles pronounced is fasting and prayer. Our disciples are always f- fasting and yours are always feasting, Jesus. Jesus said, do the groomsmen mourn while they're with the bridegroom? But one day the bridegroom will be taken from them and then they will fast. So the Lord told, showed me that in Mark chapter 9. That that's the secret. You can see it right in the word. And so I embarked on my first long fast. I'd been on little ones before. And then the whole point of that fast was, Father, let there be a greater manifestation of power through me in the meetings. When people come sick, let them leave delivered. When people come bound, let them leave free. I don't want to have, I don't, America has enough preachers. Just give a nice little encouraging message while people stay bound. I want people to get, to be free in my meetings in Jesus' name. And so that, that first time that I went on that meeting, I was preaching in, um, where was it? Wheeling, West Virginia, Ohio Valley Christian Center. I was on like day 17 of a fast, and I'm about 25 pounds heavier now, starting weight, when, I, when I'm not fasting than I was then. So then I was about 6'1", 155, and I fasted down. I, you know, people were like concerned about me. I was like at 120, so I looked like a prisoner of war with a suit on, <laughs> protruding teeth and the whole thing, but I didn't care. I was sick of heaven. It, it bothered me. And that's what fasting will do. When you, when, you know, you'd rather when something really becomes a desire of your heart. You know, if you get news that somebody close to you and your family is sick, you're not hungry for a sandwich. You're, whole, you're consumed with that thing that's going on. And that's what happens. When you really get hungry for something, more hungry than you are for food, it's easy to fast. Because I want to press in and receive this thing. So that was the first meeting where we started to have people with deaf ears come open. Then a lady testified in her 70s who had cancer in her stomach that spread through her body. She came up and testified that after she was prayed for, you know, and it was a surprise to me. I never had stuff like this happen in my meetings. She said, ever since I got the stomach cancer, I couldn't keep any food down. And she said, after you prayed for me last night, I got hungry. And so I went to the refrigerator, and I stood in front of my refrigerator and ate for an hour and a half. Now, first of all, women don't do that. Men do that. Men out of laziness will open the fridge and just, you know, my wife's had to rebuke me because the block of cheese has teeth marks in it. Just lazy. And I try to convince her it's the serrated edge of the knife, but she ain't buying it. Amen. It fits my dental records. Any forensic scientist would confirm my wife's suspicion. She don't hear about women, particularly older women, standing in front of the refrigerator and just eating out of the fridge like Homer Simpson. And then you certainly don't hear about a 73-year-old woman doing it for 90 minutes. She said, I ate and ate and ate until I actually had indigestion. And she said, I asked the Lord to heal the indigestion. It went away. Well, that's a start. And she said, I know the cancer's gone. She said, I've been strong all day. I've had all three meals, kept it down, no problem. That meeting on its own, you don't, no, nobody barely knows who I am now. Back then, really nobody knew who I was. And they had to set up chairs by Tuesday. By Wednesday, the floor and the balcony were full with chairs set up 
And it went like that through Friday. All kinds of people getting saved. I was so, then I started getting calls to pray for people in their house. And I felt like it. I've, after that lady's testimony, I felt like if you could see me in the spirit, like I had face paint on and feathers, like bare chested with like a leather strap, ready to go. So they come, my mom has stage four cancer. You pray, yeah, I'll pray and pray. Then the person get healed. And then I started to realize that you don't have to op- operate on low voltage. That God said, he, he gives good gifts to all who ask. Covet earnestly the best gifts. So when you truly get frustrated with a lack of results, you have a choice. You can either write it off some religious way. You know, God, God has a different plan sometimes. And it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. I said it's not in the Bible. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door is open. Speak to the mountain. Tell it to move. And your command will be obeyed. But it's up to you to press in to operate in that power. I'm going to tell you from now through the end of the year, what you've experienced here, what God said belongs to you in His Word, you will see it operate in your house. God's power will visit you tonight and turn everything around for your good in Jesus' name. Somebody say, covet earnestly. The best gifts. Especially the ability to prophesy. Verse 2. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it'll all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. Look at that. One who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks, listen to this, a person who speaks in tongues edifies himself or is strengthened personally. Everybody say strengthened personally. But one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Verse 5. Does God want everyone to speak in tongues? Verse 5. I wish you could all speak in tongues. How do you misinterpret that? Well, what it really means is, I wish you could all speak in tongues, is what it really means. What's with all these preachers trying to tell you what God really meant? Like God had a, 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 God needed to take more writing classes at community college. Didn't express them. Imagine if you just read the Bible like God wrote it to you and there was no, no, no like add-ons. Just read what it said. Like when it said, you will receive power. You said, thank you, Father, that when I receive this baptism, I will receive power. Verse 5, I wish that you would all speak in, I wish that you could all speak in tongues. But even more, I wish you could all prophesy. So not only is it God's will for all to speak in tongues, it's God's will for all to prophesy. Can you say Amen. I mean, it's very simple. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues. So there are gifts of the Spirit that are greater than other gifts, unless someone that interprets. So if you're writing it on a board, uh, prophecy plus prophecy equals gift of tongues plus interpretation. So that the whole church will be strengthened. Turn to um, 13. Verse 13. I'll do 14. For if, if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying. Say that out loud. If I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying. If I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Verse 15. Well then, what should I do? I will pray in the spirit 
And I will also pray in the words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit. And I will also sing in words I understand. Now, go to verse, uh, I think it's 38. Just for the sake of time. Verse uh, 39, sorry. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. And do not forbid speaking in tongues. But be sure that everything is done decently and in order. So things being done decently and in order, according to the Apostle Paul, are not in the, at the expense of speaking in other tongues. And any scholar that you read tells you that the, the church in Corinth was overboard on speaking in tongues. And even in bringing correction to that church, Paul didn't say knock off the speaking in tongues for a while. He told them how to do it. And he said, you're actually wrong if you forbid speaking in other tongues. And then you can go to full gospel churches now that have a sign out in the sanctuary, no speaking in tongues in the main sanctuary. And then you'll have the leadership say, we don't do that on Sunday mornings. We don't really feel Sunday's the time for that. You know, if God said, to, if God said don't forbid something, you should be careful what you forbid. Well, you know, I think it's out of order. Read the book of Acts. If you want to know what a church service that out, that's out of order, a service where no one gets saved, no one gets healed, no one gets baptized in the Holy Ghost, there's no change. According to Acts, that's a service that's out of order. Americans, Billy Graham said, Billy Graham, not a Pentecostal. So he says, I have questions because I've seen him preach, especially when he was in, his, in the 1950s. So he can say he's not. I, 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 I have questions. I think he had more than me. Amen. Billy Graham said Americans have gotten to the point where they care about, who, uh, care about offending everyone except the Holy Spirit. And that's, how, that, that's the problem. When you start, the Bible says in the last days. Everybody say in the last days. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. Know this, Timothy, in the last days. Men will have a form of godliness, but will reject the power that could actually make them godly. Have nothing to do with people like that. In Texas, you have to drive by 13 churches to get to the church you're going to. So if the amount of churches, and that's what you hear at all church growth stuff now. We have a plan to launch 25 churches out of our church in the next 10 years. Great. But what kind of churches are they going to be? Is it going to be like McDonald's, a franchise, where everybody watches a message on the screen, and then you have a box at the back to separate you from your money and go out, and then bring in the next group of people to hear a nice message, and then give a little in the box? Or is it going to be a church like the book of Acts, that there's such fire and such power in those people that when they go out of the church, they start having an effect on the hair crisis on the suicide rate God doesn't want a bunch of dead people that are adherents to a religion God wants men and women that are full of the fire of the Holy Ghost to set captives free and that's what you're going to be in the name of Jesus Christ can you say amen turn to Acts chapter 2 Acts 2 Acts 2, 17, or I'll start at 14. Because people in the crowd are mocking. They're drunk. Notice from the beginning, the devil's never been able to stop the Holy Ghost. All he can do is mock it and get you to be ashamed of it. But I'm not ashamed. 
My grandfather went to heaven when he was 82. I was with him at a minister's conference one time, and this other minister said, Brother, uh, Brother Shuttlesworth, if you weren't a Pentecostal, what would you be? And he said, ashamed. I like that. If you don't like it, tough luck. He's in heaven. Acts 2.14. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd. Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about it. These people aren't drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Peter had never been to downtown Houston. No. What you see today was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Listen to this prophecy. Because you turn on Christian television, all they talk about is what the devil has planned. You know, the devil's doing that. I mean, you know, it's the last days. And the devil's really moving in. And the LGBT agenda. Yeah, we know. But the devil's not the only one that has an agenda in the last days. God has an agenda in the last days. And the church isn't supposed to be nervous about what the devil's doing. The devil should be nervous about what's going on in this room tonight because we carry power over all the gates of hell. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Jay or Nick, wherever you're at, uh, my friend in the sound booth, the sound man, if you could elicit his help to get the angry video guy to put on the video of when I went to uh, Uganda and laid hands on people to receive the Holy Ghost. So if people can see it, it's not even about like at a Pentecostal meeting or an indoor air-conditioned conference. It'll work right in, the, in a refugee camp. Can you say amen? amen? So if you look, it's on YouTube. Just look up... Uh, Uganda, I think. You know where it is, right? Feed the hungry. Then Peter, uh, in the last days. Everybody say in the last days. Saith God, I will. Not all try. You know, God's not up in heaven trying. I hear all these people, Christian leaders, I'm just very concerned about the state of the church. Well, you relax. Go eat a bran muffin. First of all, you being concerned isn't going to help anything. Number two, you know, what are people? I'm very concerned about the church. You know who's in charge of the church? Anybody know his name? Jesus. The Bible says Jesus is the head of the church. When Bill Belichick's coaching your football team, you don't worry about the game plan. How much more when Jesus is the head of the church? You think he doesn't know what he's doing? You think he needs your YouTube channel to help bring correction? Jesus is the custodian of his own church. Can you say amen? Amen. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he'll never leave any generation without a witness. So the way to get depressed and defeated in Christianity is, oh, I'm just very concerned. And, you know, I don't really see any young men that are preaching the, the gospel correctly. Well, you're, it's your fault for living in a little county-wide world. There's a mighty, do you know they're about to have a conference in Nigeria in a couple weeks in a building that's two miles wide by two miles long? It seats 1.1 million people, and it's not big enough. They have to use the old building for overflow, and they'll have about 3 million people in attendance. They make announcements on opening night like this. We want to announce that since last night, we've had 21 babies born at the conference. Born since last night's meeting. 11 boys, 9 girls, and the boys clap because they have the lead, like it's super church. Can you say amen? 
Yeah, so I'm sorry you allowed your sorry behind to get trapped somewhere where there's no power. But like Elijah, Elijah said, I'm the only one who serves. That's what the devil wants people to feel. I'm, I'm the only one. There's people that feel that way. You know, as far as I know, I'm like the only one in Texas that still believes in the power of God. Why don't you get out of your house a little bit? Because when Elijah started whining like that, I'm the only one who serves you. The Lord said, shut up. I have 7,000. It must say 7,000. Who have not bowed their knee to Baal, nor kissed his face. The problem is they're all in a cave thinking they're the only one. That's one of the benefits of meetings like this. Is you find out you're a part of a big family that has not sold their soul to the world spirit. You have God's spirit getting ready to do great and mighty things for God. If you know that's you, let hell hear you tonight. Clap your hands. Let the devil know he has a major problem. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout a living hallelujah. I will. Not all try. The Lord sits up in heaven and laughs at the plans of the wicked. That's what the Bible says. You think God's up in heaven right now worried about the impeachment proceedings? Ooh, just, you know, I just hope that, please. God blow one nostril out and level all of Washington, D.C. Didn't you say amen? And that's who I serve. That's my boss. Though a thousand fall at my one side and 10,000 are dying all around me, these evils shall not touch me. For I order my angels to protect you wherever you go. Say this so the devil can hear you. Say God started me out. Say, God will bring me through. Say this out loud. When God sends you, no devil can send you back. So quit your worrying. Your Facebook post with 26 likes and 9 comments is not what's keeping America from destruction. Enjoy life. Quit being concerned. Shouldn't have a wrinkled forehead when you're 23. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. You're on the winning side. We're not trying to get the victory. We have the victory through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you receive that tonight, one more time, put those hands together and give God a mighty shout. Hallelujah! It's now 8.32, so if you, your plan with your family was to stay till 8.30, it's two minutes past, you're free to go. Acts chapter 2. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, not all try. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Why do you think the devil's working overtime trying to obliterate the new generation? 
Because when he knew there was a Moses going to be born, Pharaoh passed a law to kill all the two-year-olds and younger. When Satan knew Jesus was going to be born, a law was passed to kill all the boys in that region. And now he's got a problem because it's not going to be one Moses or one Jesus. It's going to be an entire generation that's marked with that spirit to set captives free. So Planned Parenthood comes up and a bunch of other organizations to start slaughtering black children and Spanish children and white children because the devil knows the greatest generation of black preachers, the greatest generation of Spanish preachers, the greatest generation of white preachers are being born right now, but the devil can't stop the plan of God. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Hallelujah. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. That's why if I ever see an old guy sleeping in one of my meetings, that's fine. Because if you're going to see a dream, you got to be asleep. You'll never see me rebuke a sleeping person ever. Let them dream, Lord. Amen. Can you say amen? In those days, if you're, if you're 60 and older, 65 and older, God hasn't forgotten you. God has a plan for young people. God has a plan for old people. There's no church of yesterday. There's no church of tomorrow. There's just the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that's here right now that he's looking to fill with the fire. Sorry, that he's fixing to fill with the fire of the Holy Ghost and send them out to trample on the head of the devil. You are a part of that church in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, shout amen like thunder. In those days I'll pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Verse 21, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Then Peter continues preaching. Verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Anybody say repent? How many know Jesus already died, amen? And all, hold, pretend I'm holding the latte instead of a mic. And I have a headset mic. How many of you know Jesus already died for all our sins? And so all our sins are forgiven. There's nothing you've ever done that surprised God. All our sins are under the blood already. No. All our sins are covered by Jesus' sacrifice. But you don't access it until you repent. There's still only one kind of sin God forgives, repented of sin. Unless you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So yeah, Jesus did make atonement for all of our sins. But until you repent, the wrath of God remains upon you. That's what the Bible says. Can you say amen? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins. He didn't say, don't worry, bro, everything's okay. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive, look how he even tied it in in the first message to, to unbelievers. Then after that, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to the original 12 apostles. No, this promise is to you. Everybody say, to me. To your children? Everybody say to my children. People think, you know, 
I used to never tell stories like this because I didn't want people to think I was crazy. But now that if you believe the Bible, they think you're crazy. So you might as well tell the stories too. Everybody say to your children. I went to go see Dr. Rodney Howard Brown preach in Washington, D.C. And um, my wife had our daughter. She was two years old and was holding my daughter. And he called everybody to come up to the altar that wanted hands laid on them. And we went up. And, you know, Adalis just brought Camila because there was no one to leave her back with. And I kid you not, it was as much a surprise to me as anybody. It actually surprised Dr. Rodney. Because when he started to pray from the altar, before he came down to lay hands on people, Camila's eyes got big. I don't, I'm not sure she was too. She lifted her hands up. And with big guys, started to go, and we weren't speaking in tongues. So she wasn't like imitating us. And I'm telling you, the look in her eyes, she looked like a killer. And Dr. Rodney's eyes got big and glassy, and he went, I think she just got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, she's not the youngest. The Bible says John the Baptist was baptized in the Holy Ghost in the womb of his mother. Everybody say to my children, lift both hands to the Lord. Every child represented here by a parent that's on their way to destruction, when it's all said and done, not only are they going to be saved, not only will they be in heaven, but they will prophesy. The Lord will take the one who's the worst, rescue them, and make them a major harassment to the gates of hell for the rest of their life, whether the devil likes it or not. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. This promise is to you. Everybody say, my children. And to those far away, even all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching strongly for a long time. Save yourself from this wicked generation that's gone astray. And 3,000 people were added to the church that day. So 120 people filled with the Holy Ghost and fire led 3,000 people to the Lord in one day. And now you have churches of 3,000 with no fire that can't lead 120 people to the Lord in five years. There is no substitute. Cool music, smoke machine, lasers, and all, and I, you know, nothing wrong, whatever. Do your thing. If you want to dress up the sanctuary in a certain way, that's fine. But if you think any of those things can be, if you think letting people know that we have free lattes at the back can substitute for people getting delivered from depression and anxiety and people's broken homes and broken lives, there has to be a power to set the captives free. And it's not just supposed to be carried by the minister. This promise is to you. Everybody say, for me. And I don't believe it. Then go ahead and reject it. Best of luck. But it's to you. It's say it's available to me. To your children. Say it's available to my children. You know, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was six at an Assemblies of God summer camp. And then uh, my sister had not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord spoke. The church that we, start, that we were attending as our home church started to go seeker sensitive and one you know it's amazing it's amazing how these churches have bit into a deception because it's one thing if someone doesn't believe in the holy spirit that's that's different but when you know like the church we were in had like 40 people went to like 900 because of a move of god and then all of a sudden just decided uh no you know that's kind of not where we want to go because now you have like upper class people and coming you know, upper class people need the fire of God as much as low class people. 
Can you say amen? Oral Roberts preached in Portland, Oregon for two hours on the gifts of the Spirit in the 60s. And Lester Summerall said when he finished, the mayor of Portland jumped up and went, hot dog, that's the best thing I've ever heard. He wasn't even saved, as you could tell, because unsaved people never say hallelujah. They always say something weird, like hot dog or holy cow or something like that. People need the Holy Ghost. I said people need the Holy Ghost. Yeah. I was preaching in Allentown. I shouldn't have said where. Oh, too late. I was preaching in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And I come one night on Tuesday, and my crusade director tells me the mayor's here. And he wants to see you. Well, I'd, I'd been in trouble before. So I thought, okay, let's see what we have to sort out. So I go back behind the stage, and he's waiting there in his suit. And I said, hi, uh, Mayor Sonsno, how can I help you? He said, I want you to pray for me. I said, okay. So I folded my hands and started to pray. And he went, no. I want you to put your hands on my head like you do to the people and pray. And I put my hands on his head. He wasn't a Christian. I put my hands on his head, and he lifted his hands, and I prayed like he asked me to. And he said, thank you. I needed that. And he left. I don't know what he was going through. Didn't ask. None of my business. But that's a mayor. That's not a, some, some, you know, people think that's for, like, low-class people. First of all, low-class people re usually receive first. Easiest meetings you'll ever preach are in a prison, rehab center, on the street in the tents because people don't have any pride. You go to Tent City in California, nobody thinks they know anything. They know they've messed up and their lives are broken. You don't have anybody say, I actually have a master's from TCU. And uh, no, you don't get any of that. That's why the Bible says when all those people rejected the invitation to the banquet, that he said, go and find the blind, the crippled, the halt, the maimed, and tell them that the, the feast is ready, and now they have an invitation. So many times, that's why Jesus said, and I'm telling you this as a rich man. It's, hard, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God. He didn't say they can't. He said it's hard. Because like the rich young ruler, they trust in their things. They think they're doing the pastor a favor when they come. You know, pastor, my wife and I were talking. We're actually thinking of making this our home church. Whoop de freaking do. Pastor, my wife and I, um, we have a rather large check that we were thinking of giving. We wanted to take you out to lunch, just discuss what the vision of, we'll take your check and hit the road. So you don't get that attitude from poor people. You get that attitude when people start thinking there's something. That's why God hates pride. Can you say amen? But you know what? The baptism of the Holy Ghost will destroy pride. And so tonight, not only is pride destroyed, that Holy Spirit will keep you ever humble so you never miss God. You're never raised up in arrogance and you fulfill the will of God for your life in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, can you shout a living amen? amen. Now Peter takes that crowd over when he couldn't even confront a girl about his relationship with Jesus Christ. Just a few pages to the left, a girl said, aren't you a follower of Jesus? No! So how does the guy go from denying Christ like 10 days earlier? It's not like 20 years passed. 10 or 11 days earlier. And then now, there's 3,000 plus mocking men, and he doesn't have a sound system. And the same guy comes up. Hey! No mic. You are saying we're drunk, but it's not true. People don't get drunk by nine in the morning. No, what you're seeing. I bet you the other disciples are standing going. 
What happened to you? You go off your medication? And you want to know what? Because I've been in this situation before. I bet you halfway through the message, Peter started thinking with his mind, who in the world is this? Because the Bible says in, hallelujah, because the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 10 that Samuel came and poured the anointing anointing oil over Saul and the Holy Spirit came upon him and Saul was turned into another man. Say that with me. Say Saul was turned into another man. Paul was turned into another. Anybody you see have the anointing come upon them, they're turned into another man. That the weak can say, I'm strong. You're, you're listening to somebody tonight that had a speech impediment up through age 10, called to preach, and the Holy Ghost made me what I could never be in the flesh. So what happens now? When you lay aside the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you end up with a congregation of people that are trying to live for God, but don't have the capacity to live for God. But when you let the fire of God come into your spirit, what you used to not be able to do at all, you can do with ease. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Say this, pro- say this promise is to you and your children. So even in the first salvation message, Peter said, now you're to receive Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that video that I'm going to have played, is it good to go? Yeah, you're not. Okay. So I was going sh- to show you that in North Uganda, I went to a refugee camp, UN refugee camp. Gave out food with Lester Summerall's organization. Then at night we preached the first night and got people saved. And I did what Peter did. First time most of the people had ever heard the gospel. So tomorrow night I'm going to lay hands on everyone to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and be healed. The crowd goes from 3,000 to 8,000. And then go among the people. They don't know anything about falling over, under the power. Fell anyway. Whether you're in downtown Chicago or Kiriandongo, Uganda, wherever you go, The promise of the Holy Spirit is not for the Jews. It's not just for white people. It's not just for black people. Jesus is the lamb that was slain for every tongue, every tribe, every nation, and every race. And it's the easiest thing in the world. You don't have to dress different. You don't have to talk different. You start telling people about God and His power, and that power is released and begins to set captives free and fill them with God's Spirit. That's what the Lord's going to do for you tonight before you leave. In Jesus' mighty name. Can you say amen? Before I pray for you, and I'm going to pray for you, I want to give you what the Holy Spirit does. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and pray in tongues, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What is the benefit? Because you never pursue anything there's not a benefit for. Unless you've got mental problems. Nobody went to work today just because you're supposed to work. You went to work because there's a reward either on the 15th or the 1st or whenever. True or false? True. Reward system. Well, you know God has a reward system. Hebrews eleven six. Anyone that wants to come to him must believe that he is. Everybody say he is. And he is a rewarder. So anything God asks you to do has a reward on the end of it. God asks you to shut down the first day of the week and give that day to him. Ask Chick-fil-A whether there's a reward or not. Anything God asks you to do. I want to tithe. See, when people lose sight of the reward, then I don't believe in tithing. Well, then you don't, know, you don't understand the reward. 
Because God said, give me 10, 10% off the top, and if you do, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so great you'll never have enough. The only problem you'll have for the rest of your life is finding enough room to put it all in. I figured I'd come close to you guys when I got on that part. No, I had two allies. What is the benefit of being baptized in the Holy Ghost and praying in other tongues? Everybody say praying in other tongues. So it's not just that you checked it off your, in 1989, I was filled with, okay, great. You, you buying a car in 1989 and keeping it in your garage and never running it doesn't do you any good. So the reason God fills you is so you can have a language to pray in that does several things for you. And I'm going to give you what they are. These are some of them. Number one, there's an old saying, prayer doesn't only change things, prayer changes you. And prayer in the Holy Ghost, we read in 1 Corinthians 14, he that prays in an unknown tongue speaks mysteries to men, but he speaks directly to God and edifies or strengthens or builds himself up. Peter gets filled with the Holy Ghost, among with everyone else starts speaking with other tongues, and in a little bit after praying in other tongues, he's now another man that steps forward to do what God's called him to do and preach the gospel. Can you say amen? amen. Number one, say it out loud, prayer changes me. Number two, prayer enables you to communicate directly with God. Say this out loud. All prayer is not spiritual. You only have to go to church for about four months before you realize that. Some people come up. It's like when a uh, uh, pastor's wife got up and prayed. You know, you can tell people who pray and people who don't. And I'll just tell you, if you don't pray privately, then if they ask you to pray in church, save yourself the embarrassment and don't start there. When you heard Pastor Charlie's wife pray, nobody would even have to ask. Maybe I, I, I won't have to ask. You pray daily. You can tell. That lady basically just reconnected with a meeting that she normally has. So not all prayer is spiritual. Offering prayers usually. Father, bless those who give, those who have not to give. Multiply it to thy intended use. You know, number one, God never promised to give people, bless people who don't give. Then number two, if God ever answered that prayer and multiplied it to its intended use, the whole deacon board would go to prison in Leavenworth, Kansas. God doesn't multiply money. God speaks to people to multiply they're giving. Can you say, uh, you can say, this goes over well. You should just dismiss, go to in and out. So say this out loud. All prayer is not spiritual. Yeah. So there's people, I pray, Father, bless my husband, bless our marriage. That's not, there's no connection. You know, if, of course, all the suitcases have wheels now. All the suitcases have wheels now. So this, but back when, they, when suitcases were just trunks, if you had to drag the trunk, it was tough. If somebody got on the other end of the trunk and lifted it, you could tell. And so what happens is when you pray in the flesh, he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks mysteries to men, but speaks to God. He said, my spirit prayeth. Everybody say, my spirit prayeth. And so when you pray in tongues, you don't have to, well, I don't know if God heard. He who speaks in an unknown tongue is speaking directly to God. Deep calleth to deep. And I'll tell you what you feel. When you pray in the flesh, you feel like you're dragging a, a, a trunk around. When you pray in the spirit, you can feel whatever the burden is you're praying that somebody gets on the other end of it and picks it up for you. Can you say amen? And so the, the benefit of being baptized in the Holy Ghost and praying in tongues is that as you pray in tongues, it's spiritual prayer. It's not the kind we heard growing up in church. 
God, we just ask you, be with everyone today. Give them traveling mercies. Help our youth as they go have a bake sale. And Jesus, and I mean, you can just tell there's nothing on it. But then somebody like her prays, you can feel the presence of God on it. And prayer that carries the power of God causes great results. Can you say amen? As you receive that gift tonight, your prayer life will have results in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, can you shout amen? amen. Number three, when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost and pray with other tongues, it gives you the ability that when you're faced with a problem you don't understand, you can pray in a language you don't understand. I hear people for going on 20 years now. You know, this is going on. My son just told me that he doesn't want anything to do with church. I don't know what happened. It's like he just got deceived all of a sudden. I don't know, I don't know how to pray. I don't even know what to pray. And, and I'll tell you, if you've ever gotten bad news, it's like a punch in the stomach. It takes the wind out of your sails. Where not only do you not know what to pray, you don't even have the energy to think of what to pray. If you're sick, if you've ever had a serious sickness and been on death's door, you don't have the energy to pray. Your mind isn't even working right. But your spirit's not in your mind. Your spirit's in your belly. And so when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost and you don't know what to pray, you don't know what to say to God, you're weak and hurt, there is still someone on the inside of you and a gift that you can stir up and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Shemandarekatoto. Ibandia. And I can tell you, you might not sound like that in a microphone, laying on the flat of your back in bed, getting ready to die. You might start off. And then as you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, you start to feel, because the Bible says, he that prays in an unknown tongue speaks mysteries unto man, but he speaks directly to God and builds himself up. So even if it starts weak, that motor that turns starts to have an influence over your body. For the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, Romans 8, if that same spirit, everybody say that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, he will quicken. Your mortal body. So when you pray in the Holy Ghost and stir up the Holy Ghost, there's a quickening and an energizing that comes to your body. Receive that energizing tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. Number four, praying in tongues dethrones your mind. For if I pray in the Spirit, my understanding is unfruitful, which is good. Because most people, their understanding is what makes them unfruitful. Well, you know, I know God can do miracles, but I don't see how he could ever do that with me. Yeah. So if you pray out of that mind of unbelief, God guide the surgeon's hand and just we just ask you to be in the... You're never going to get anywhere. But if you can bypass your mind and go from your spirit directly to God, unbelief is not in your spirit. Unbelief's in your mind. And so when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you dethrone your mind and put your spirit in charge. Number five, when you pray in the Holy Ghost, God recharges and refreshes you. Acts 3.19, Peter said, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then times of refreshing. It was say times of refreshing. Why is it now that all these ministers are having to retire at 58 years old 
sabbatical at 55, and they only speak 20 or 30 minutes. Because doing ministry in the flesh will destroy you. Ministry has to come from your spirit, and your spirit has to remain charged. And so as people have moved away from the Holy Ghost, even with 70-minute services, they break down. And then guys like Oral Roberts that never preach less than two hours can stand up, no stool, no walker, and preach from memory who Jesus is in every book of the Bible with no notes in an auditorium at 92 years old. Then what happens? Read the, read the stats. People come back from an eight-month sabbatical and usually retire within the first six months to a year and leave the church because they're addressing the wrong problem. The problem isn't their body. The problem is a spirit that's been drained. You haven't kept it stirred up. You haven't kept it full of God's power. But that will never be you. From I said that will never be you. From tonight, everybody who's become weary and well-doing, times of refreshing, enter you tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Number five, praying in other tongues recharges and refreshes you. You got people retiring at 58. I just went to go see Pastor Bob before the service started. That guy jumps into tongues all the time. Sitting just me and him in the room. So anyway, have a good service tonight. You need to be talking. Have a good service tonight. You know, glad that you're here. Encouraging me. You know, man, I'm glad you're here. I'm so glad I got to meet you this year. I've had such a good time with you. Well, he must have learned a secret. He wasn't doing that to impress me. I'm already impressed. So while guys are ducking out at eight, at 58, you can flip the numbers around. The guy going on 85 was just telling me in the room, I'm not finished yet. There's several more things that I want to do. So the difference between dying early, the difference between dropping out, the difference between saying I can't do it anymore, you don't need somebody to pray for you. They can only do so much. God gave a gift for you to have where there's a fire that burns in you and that fire never goes out. Somebody shout hallelujah. So there's five. Let me give you a few more. Number six, and I already covered this. When you pray in the Spirit, it keeps your spirit full of God's power. Stir up the gift. 2 Timothy 1.7. Stir up the gift that came on the inside of you when I laid my hands on you. So you stir it up. Just because you've received power doesn't mean you're still running topped off. Nobody in their right mind would come up to me and say, Jonathan, when you were here last uh, July... My gas tank was full in my car, and then now it seems to be empty. It's not running, won't turn on. I don't know what happened. You ran out of gas is what happened. It's not enough to fill it one time. You have to keep it full. I said you have to keep it full. That's why I made up my mind I'm never going to be a person. Well, I remember back in the early 2000s when I was called to the ministry, we saw a woman healed of cancer. No. I told you last night, if I go a while without having a major healing, a, a demon-possessed person delivered. I, I might be losing something. I don't want to have a story of one 10-year run or 8-year run where I was on fire. I want my story to be, I got lit on fire at 6. I stayed on fire through my 20s. More fire in my 30s. More fire in my 40s. And I finished strong in Jesus' name. Number 6, praying in the Holy Ghost keeps your spirit full of God's power. Say it out loud. Praying in the Holy Ghost keeps my spirit full of God's power. 
Number seven, praying in the Holy Ghost burns out the uncleanness and impurities of your flesh. Luke 3 said, look at all people. Now that they've laid down the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you can give an altar call in church with people that have been there for 10 years. How many of you have sins that you need to get? You got a problem. The Bible says in Luke 3.16, we all know John 3.16, but a lot of the 3.16s are good. Luke 3.16, John said, I baptize you in water. John, who was a Baptist, said, I baptize you in water. But one is coming who is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to tie. He will baptize you with groanings and utterances that cannot be said in my natural language. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, there is a perfect prayer being prayed over your life. Who knows? Who knows if when I was eight years old praying in the Holy Ghost, I wasn't praying for a Puerto Rican girl that was four named Adalis, that God would keep her from sin and put his hand on her life. And I was praying for my wife when I didn't even know what a Puerto Rican was. Can you say amen? Because I didn't know who I was going to marry, but the Holy Ghost knew who I was going to marry. Hallelujah. And so when you pray in tongues, you actually pray past. Think of this. When people aren't baptized in the Holy Ghost, all they can do is wait for problems to happen and then pray about the problem. How many of you know Sister Mary had heart problems? Many of you heard. We need to pray for everything's reactionary. But when you intercede in the Holy Ghost, you're actually going ahead into the future. And the God that knows all things, you can actually cut down the attack of the devil before it has a chance to get off the ground. I prophesy in the name of Jesus, every attack of the devil that he's planned in your future, it is declared cut down tonight. Everybody say perfect prayer. Number nine, Acts chapter 10 with Peter on the roof shows you that praying in the Holy Ghost is the gateway to visions and dreams. People just scoot through life not knowing what they're doing. I have a job. I've always wanted to work here, and I just don't know what the right time is. It just, whatever. But you give the Lord show you a vision. This is the way wonky they're in. And you never have to have another wasted step, wasted year, wasted month, wasted relationship. Can you say amen? amen? Life doesn't have to be guesswork. As many as are the sons and daughters of God, as many as are led by the Spirit, Romans chapter 8, they are the sons and daughters of God. You don't have to be a prophet. You have to be a Christian filled with the Holy Spirit. And now you have access to God's voice saying, this is the way. Walk ye therein. Hallelujah. You can know that God's not finished with you yet. Because he's shown you several things you still have to do. Paul said, I'm not dying here. I must go to Rome. Number nine, visions and dreams. Number 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. We have received the spirit of Christ and not the spirit of this world. Praying in the Holy Ghost, make sure that you never become someone who thinks they're a Christian but actually has been swept into the spirit of the world. 
Where did all these pro-LGBT, pro-abortion, anti-Israel Christians, Christians come from? Going to hell and don't even know it. You know, if you're a preacher and the view has you on and the four ladies like you, you're going to hell. You don't even have to wonder. Somebody on CNN has you on, says, we're so excited about the release of your book. There's a problem. Watch Billy Graham on Larry King Live. He's trying to lead Larry King to the Lord on his own show. What about you, Larry? That North Carolina accent. I've been coming on here several times, and this may be the last time. Now, have you ever given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Paul's trying to convert the judge at his trial. Can you say amen? Hey, you want me to become like you? Other than these chains, I wish you'd become just like me. Can you say amen? So if you don't pray in the Holy Ghost, look at, I mean, I could run through, and I'm not going to run through any could go through names of guys that were used in healing and miracles. Now they don't even believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. And the world loves that. They'll pay your bills and stuff. Keep your church lights on. Got swept with the spirit of this world. And they'll go to hell. And so one of the real important reasons to pray in the Holy Ghost every day is it'll keep your spirit linked up with God. And you'll never be able to hook into the spirit of this world. Nobody could invite me to any kind of bar or club tonight and me go. I mean, it won't even matter. There's nothing in me. And it's not like I'd have to, like, fight off the desire. I check into a hotel almost every Saturday night of my life. Most of the nice hotels have a club on the floor. I've walked by and seen what they look like anyway. Why don't you drink? Nobody looks like they look in the commercials. Not one attractive person in the whole room. You know, you know, uh, should have done that one first. Now you like me. You know, it's hard to sin when you love sin. I mean, it's hard not to sin when you love sin. If you love to drink, it's hard to stop drinking. But when that spirit's out of you and you have the spirit of God alive in you, somebody inviting you to drink is like somebody inviting you to help them move. You just start thinking of a nice way to say, not interested. (laughs) Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Lift both hands all over this room. Every enticement of the spirit of this world, it'll never find a home in your life. In Jesus' name, you not only started well, you will finish well in the name of Jesus Christ. With your hands lifted, just begin to thank God that you'll never take one backward step all the days of your life in Jesus' mighty name. I'll give you two more. Number 11. Say this out loud. When I pray in the Holy Ghost, things happen outside. So you heard me say in the beginning, prayer not only changes things, prayer changes people. But you hear some people say, well, prayer doesn't change things. Prayer changes you. No, that's not true. Yes, prayer in the Holy Ghost will change you. But the Bible says in Acts 4, they all prayed in the Holy Ghost. And the building was shaken. I don't know if I, I I mean, this is the tail end of a seven-week trip, so I can't remember where I said what. But even if I said it a couple nights ago, it would be good to hear it again. My grandfather pastoring on the West Virginia border. 
having a prayer meeting, and the Holy Ghost and the fire department comes in. He says, what are you guys doing? Your roof's on fire. My grandfather said if the roof was on fire, there'd be smoke underneath the roof. And I looked at him and said, you're right. But I'm telling you, if you come outside right now, there's, there's fire on the roof. And then he explained to us what they were seeing, why the roof was on fire but not being consumed. And that's happened all through Pentecost. When they prayed in Acts 4, the building shook. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, I'm talking concerted prayer. It starts to make things happen. And I mean prayer, concerted prayer. Now you can't, I don't even try anymore. I've given up on a lot of things, totally given up. I'm trying to get American people to pray more than 30 or 60 seconds. They start waning at like 20 seconds. If you, if you say, everybody lift your hands and pray in most churches, you'd think you just said, let everybody lift your hands and squint. Everybody, What are you people doing? Prayer's not trying to look constipated. Prayer is vocal expression out of your mouth. People taught me in church, in kids' church, well, you don't have to pray with your mouth. God can hear your heart. That's not in the Bible. Prayer is vocal communication with God. Look at people now, they don't even pray over their meal in America. Just squint. What is that? Everybody say pray. In the Holy Ghost. My friend, I don't know if he considers me his friend, but I consider him my friend. I love him. Dr. James Morocco in Maui. Started a little over 300 churches. Now he's in his 60s. And they had their international convention of churches. And all the churches were lining up to give their testimony. And after the church from Thailand gave their testimony, nobody wanted to give their testimony because theirs all stunk compared to that one. They said the Thailand government started to get very hostile to churches again, started to shut churches down and bulldoze churches, and they arrested our pastor and put him in prison. And, you know, here you at least know what prison somebody's in, and there's open trial and all that. They don't even know where he is or if he's alive. So they all go into the church and start to pray in the Holy Ghost. And I mean pray, and it'll come back to, to America. In South Korea, at Young Yi Cho's church, when they would say, everybody pray, the only way they could get the service back was there was a bell on stage. Because you couldn't even with the mic say, in Jesus' name, amen. The volume of prayer was so loud, they'd have to take the rope and boom, boom, and that was the sign to stop praying. Because the thing would just go, not this. So they said the church started to pray. Somebody say the church began to pray. James gets arrested and killed. Peter gets arrested. The church begins to pray very earnestly and an angel breaks him out. So you can just let life take its course and suffer many losses. Or you can pray in the Holy Ghost and rattle the devil's skull. And I prophesy one more time in the name of Jesus, every infringement of the devil against your life, he's going to get his tail end booted out for free in Jesus' mighty name. They said we were, pray we were praying in the Holy Ghost, praying. They pray one hour, hour and a half, whatever, everybody praying in tongues. And then they opened their eyes, and the pastor's sitting on the front row. And they said, how would you get here? He said, I don't know. I was sitting in the jail cell one minute. And then was right here. I don't know. That sounds crazy. Then rip the book of Acts out of your Bible. Has God changed? 
Has God changed? God will never change. They prayed for Peter. An angel broke him out. And he had 16 soldiers assigned just to him. You can try to do things. If that happened in America, your pastor gets arrested. You try to, I think I know a lawyer. My son actually graduated Baylor Law School, and I think he might be able to do it. He'll probably give you. Everything's just the threat. That's why people don't lean on prayer here, because you don't need it. You need a car? They'll loan you money. Bad credit? No credit. You don't need They'll give you. People give you money. People give you free health care. There's enough food banks in Fort Worth to eat yourself and do a rocking chair. Nobody needs God for anything in this country. You can do it all on your own. And you can if your goal is to survive. But if you want to make an impact on your generation and on your family. In fact, I'll add to what I'm preaching. I've had a very, very, very easy life. Pastor Charlie said that they've never had a speaker like me that was so easy to take care of and didn't want to take an offering tonight and all that. Because I have a ton of money. It comes in from everywhere. Without even trying. I know that you don't like that. That's your problem. I'm just telling you the facts. Sorry, that made you angry. I'll try to pretend I'm poor. You know where that money comes in so easy? You know, it doesn't hurt to have a great-grandma that gets saved when she's 20 and go to heaven when she's 92 and pray for you every day for 72 years. Open doors for him. Use him. Provide for him. Make his way straight. I would I'd tell you the truth. That little assisted living center that she lived in had like her own little baby house. I'd go visit her there in Holton, Maine. When you open the door, it felt like you walked into like an altar service at a Pentecostal church. It was just her in there. Jonathan. And she was like this tall. Jonathan. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. You know, I pray for you every day. Yeah, I feel it. All she did is watch the Red Sox, Boston Red Sox. Tennis, she got into like the last 15 years. I'd have to keep explaining her the score. Why is it 15? What's love mean? Red Sox, tennis, and pray. Oh, Jonathan, I pray for you every day. I'm praying that God keeps opening doors. I'm praying when I was single. I'm praying God sends you a good wife. So there's one person today. And then your life just goes smooth. And you think if I took, that was one person. I had my mother praying for me. My grandma that's 87 in West Virginia prays for me every day. I'd talk, Phil texts me about once a month. I wish you wouldn't say heck when you preach. You know, you said the word crap two times last night. So she's praying that God helps me and cleans my mouth up. Amen. Now you think of this with me. Think of how if we went over this sanctuary, all of the horror stories I could hear, what kind of parents people grew up with. How not only did your parents not pray for you, they, you know, the person who taught you how to roll a joint, the person who taught you how to drink or made fun of you that you didn't drink, were in your own house. But you know, that can die with you. It only takes one person in a generation to say every battle that I had to fight growing up, my children are never going to have to fight those battles. Because that lady Louise Crawford up in Holton, Maine, she was the first one saved in the whole family. Her husband left her over it. 
said, Louise, if you don't want to drink and dance and party with me, then this marriage is over and left her with a two-year-old daughter. So it costs something. It costs something to, to stay with the Holy Ghost. But remember, I tell you this, whatever it costs up front, the rewards are priceless. And I don't just mean in heaven, I mean on this earth. Godliness is profitable unto all things. 1 Timothy 4.8, holding value in the life that now is and in the life to come. Stand on your feet, everybody. Number 12, Galatians chapter 3, after starting in the spirit, why are you now trying to finish in the flesh? Number 12, when you pray in the Holy Ghost, it ensures that you'll not only start well, you'll finish well. If there's one thing you could pray that God will be happy you pray, it's that you finish strong. The Bible says, be not weary in well-doing. There's a natural weariness in doing what you should do. Things are exciting when God first puts them in your heart. And then the carnal excitement wears off. So people get weary and quit. But if you maintain that fire in you, everybody say the fire will never go out. Now make it personal. Say my fire will never go out. Lift both hands to the Lord and close both eyes. I'm going to see how well you do in Texas. This isn't squint time, this is pray time. If you're filled with the Spirit, you pray in the Spirit. If you're not yet filled with the Spirit, you can do English or Spanish or Hindi or whatever language you speak. But I want you to pray right now in the Spirit with this focus. I will finish strong. I'm not going to start in the Spirit and finish in the flesh. I'm going to finish my race. I'm going to win the good fight of faith. I'm going to attain the crown of righteousness that's been laid up for me. Go ahead and pray. Give it all you got for two minutes. Pindiara Babraco, Rista Babraka, Igundo, I will finish well in Jesus' name. I'm not leaving my life the chance. I will finish strong in Jesus' name. Keep praying. As you pray in the Spirit, every uncleanness of the flesh is burned out by fire. In Jesus' name. Give it all you got. One more minute. Pray. If you can't pray, oh, you sound good. Prove me wrong. The fire will never go out. Every infringement of the enemy against your life, it is cut down now. Keep praying. Pray always in the Holy Ghost. Pray always in the Holy Ghost. Brigadaste bondo. Ringandaste papato. Brindoste mata. Stir up your spirit. Tibanareke. Ukoste babrakasto boto. Igata. Tushte bandiara babrako. Rimando reba. Igandianama. Pondoro, I'm praying for you, Pastor Bob. Let the glory of God come into that room. I'm praying for you, Brother Mike. Enough is enough. Enough is enough.
Pishkara Mabrotoste, Igandiana Mabroto, Rimanda Recatiosto Bobraka, Pindiono Mopro, Ricatasteba, Rimondo Recasteba, Rimondo Ramandiacatoste Babraka, Picatoste Bindiana Mabrago. Oh, you sound good? Pray, stir up your spirit, man. Enough is enough. Every sickness, every disease, every plot from hell to cut your life down. It is cursed by the Spirit of God now. What the devil meant for bad turns for good now. Pray always in the Holy Ghost, building up your most holy faith. Pray always in the Holy Ghost. And they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's the language of heaven. Koste Babra Katia Biniana Mabroko Shkundorabata Kaste. Now, as you pray in the Spirit, focus on every backslidden family member, every family member that's away from the Lord. Intercede for their soul now. Koste Babraka, every chain broken, every rope of bondage comes off. When you get to heaven, no one's missing. Everyone's standing with you. Every devil take their hand off of every family member represented here. Send laborers into the path to pluck them out of the devil's hand while there's still time. In Jesus' name we've prayed and everybody said. Everybody said. Clap your hands to the Lord all over this place. Celebrate that it's already done. He has heard our prayer. He's answered our prayer. And we give him the praise. Oh, you sound good. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Somebody shout a living hallelujah. There's no one here right now that's battling anything of any kind. There's no way. It's cleared out. Go check yourself. You can tell. You actually don't have depression. It's gone. People say it's gone. Say the fire burning out. If you go camping, you light a fire at night, the thing goes out while you're sleeping, 
When you go look where the fire was, there's bugs crawling around in there without any invitation. Right? Spiders and all kinds of stuff where the fire was. And when the fire's up, nothing goes near it. And if it does, it gets consumed. So you actually can keep your spirit in a way where you're unassaultable. Everybody say unassaultable. Say, I don't get assaulted. Say, I do the assaulting. Jesus wasn't hoping, disciples pray, because I know the devil's going to be attacking. The devil, Jesus went out and attacked where the devil thought he owned. Brother uh, Big John Hall, take three steps forward. Lift your right hand up, put your left hand on the center of your chest. Receive strength from the Holy Ghost today. That this last phase of your race will be the most enjoyable and fun and lucrative. New open door. A new generation like me will hear you sing and be ministered to by yourself. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. There's precious people in this meeting. Good job catching them, guys. If you'd have dropped them, we'd have had to build a basement where he landed. Big John Hall. Praise the Lord. Every hand lifted all over this place. You are declared blessed in the name of Jesus Christ. By the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. The blood of Jesus covers you. The fire of the Holy Ghost resides in your spirit. Things will not continue in a negative direction. Whatever was meant for bad, God flips it today and turns it for good. This lady in the black with the white pullover and the, the cross on your neck, uh, right by the sound booth, step right out into the aisle if you would. Power of God's all over you. your hands up, close both eyes. As you do, the power of God that descended on you comes on you even stronger. There it is. More. 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 Too much. Overflow. In Jesus' mighty name. People on Baptist Radio say that we pay people to do this. Where do you find me? We'll fall under the powerforcash.com. Then you put how many people you need, which night. And they send you a picture so you know who to call out. So you either, you either have to say it's fake <laughs> or that it's the devil. If you say it's the devil, you need to be careful. Because there's one sin that you can't get forgiven of. That's attributing the works of God, the works of the Holy Ghost to Satan. It's an unforgivable sin. So you should be careful about what you pop off about. I know it doesn't go over well, but I'm not taking an offering. Can you say amen? Everybody always trying to put everybody at ease. Hey, don't worry whether you've committed that sin. Well, you should be concerned. Jesus didn't bring it up because it was something not to worry about. Can you say amen? 
every head bowed, every eye closed. Praise the Lord. If you're here tonight, and like God did for a lot of people last night, if when you let your fire go out or you let yourself become lukewarm, the bugs moved in. Something came in. Some type of bondage. If you fall away from God, bondage comes in all by itself. Some people it's alcohol, some people it's cocaine, some people it's sexual immorality, some people it's uncontrolled anger. Some people it's all the above, just get wrapped up in all kinds of things. And then when the anointing came in tonight, you realized it's time to throw off the weight of sin permanently and come back to Jesus. There's time. It's not too late. Very soon it will be too late. You don't have to have a degree in eschatology, study Bible prophecy to know time's almost up. <laughs> I mean, just the LGBT stuff lets you know it's almost up. Jesus said as it was in the days of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah, that's how the day, that's how it'll be in the day when I return. That wasn't a city that had gays. That was a city obsessed with homosexuality. That's how it is now. Don't put a yellow line down the street, put a rainbow down the street. Teach, have drag queen story hour to four-year-olds at a public library. Just absolute. Jesus said when it hits that point, it's, it's a sign that you better get your act together. Because in such an hour as you think not, no man knows the day or the hour, but you will know the season. And this is the season. I'm not away from home for seven weeks because I think Jesus is probably coming 40 years from now. I'm surprised I was able to finish the seven weeks. Jesus is coming soon. And the Bible says, some will be taken, but many will be left. In the twinkling of an eye, two will be grinding flour at the mill. Two will be working in the field. Two will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. So think about that. Two guys like at an oil field that work there. And the one guy got saved and he's always telling the other guy, you should come to church with me. I'm telling you. Nah. That's my only day off. I'm not gonna, I have the, my mom's having a birthday party. And they just never get right with God. Two asleep in one bed. A wife that got saved. It's been telling her husband, come on, man. Come, you only, nah, quit pressuring me about it. I don't want to hear about it anymore. And the day will come where a trumpet will sound. And people are going to realize they made a huge mistake. And at that point, it's too late. But it's not too late right now. That's why I'm giving an invitation like I do about every night to make a decision to get rid of sin instead of sin getting rid of you. If you live with somebody you're not married to, nobody will have any problem with it, but the Bible still has a problem with it. And I don't bring it up to make you feel bad. Some people don't know. They just heard, they heard the opposite. That's a mistake. I, heard, I saw a guy write on Twitter, I, I don't get married because I make a point to not get into relationships, but it takes a lawyer to get out of you know, people just hear stuff that's contrary to the Bible all the time and then believe it. You know. It's amazing how there's always pressure if you try to go the right way. Your parents won't say one word if you go move in with your girlfriend, but then if you say you're going to marry her, do you know what you're doing? You know, so, you know, always pressure 
to keep you from doing the right thing. And the way to hell is easy. There's no pressure to not go to a bar. People make fun of you if you don't go. There's no pressure <laughs> to have sex. People start mocking you when you're 14 or 15 and haven't had sex. What is wrong with you? So there's the pressure. You swim upstream. I mean, if you go upstream, you'll make heaven. Everything the world tries to pressure you to do, you just run it headlong. Put your shoulders down and run in the direction of heaven. If you're here tonight and you know you've been swept into the tide of this world, the spirit of this world that's increased its influence and strength before the coming of the Lord, as Jesus said it would, ten virgins awaited the bridegroom. Five were wise, five were foolish. Five didn't bring enough oil and their lamps went out. The fire went out. Matthew 25, verse 13, Jesus said, So you too must also watch and be prepared. For in such an hour, as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. I think it was my grandfather that used to preach a sermon about heaven. Three surprises in heaven. Number one, people who are there that you didn't think would be there. Number two, people who aren't there that you thought would be there. Number three, that you're there. That's a pleasant surprise. And I want you to have that pleasant surprise. You can know that you have eternal life. These things are written that you might know that you have life eternal. And you listen to me. It doesn't matter how you started the race. It matters how you finished the race. So if you've hit a bump in the road, you got knocked down, you allowed yourself to become lukewarm, you don't have to finish like that. You can make up your mind tonight. November 13th, 2019. I make up my mind. I get rid of sin. I refuse to be bound by any wicked thing one more hour. And I surrender my heart to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Christ will never reject you. He'll forgive your sin. Cleanse you with his blood. And give you new life. But you have to decide. If you say, Jonathan, that's me. If the trumpet was going to sound now. I don't know if I'm ready to meet the Lord or I know I'm not ready to meet the Lord. I'm bound by sin, but I want to be set free. And I want to do it tonight. I want you to quickly put your hand up high and wave it at me and we'll pray right now. See your hand? See your hand? See your hand? See your hand? I see your hand. Man, that's awesome. Really awesome. I see you. Very quickly, and if you're with a friend who lifted a hand, you want to come together, that's fine. I'm not looking to like embarrass people. But the Bible says, come out from the crowd and be ye separate. Touch not the unclean thing. If you can't stand for Jesus in a church, you're going to have no chance. Everyone here supports you, including me. Very quickly, everyone who lifted a hand and meant business with God, quickly come out of your seat and join me at the front. We're going to pray right now. Come. Come with courage. Come with boldness. Tonight's your night. In Jesus' name. Come right. Hallelujah. It's our best altar call of the whole meeting. Awesome, guys. Anybody else but for ah, awesome.
lift both hands to the Lord. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but it's not a recital. You pray it from your heart to God. I'm only telling you what to say because some, some people have never prayed, so they want to know what to say. And then say it loud enough so God can hear you. Say this from your heart, out loud. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I've come forward tonight. I've come forward tonight to give you my life. To give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. Wash me in your blood. I believe in my heart. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. I confess with my mouth. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Is my Lord. My King. My King. My Savior. My Savior. Right now, right now, I receive, I receive salvation, salvation. I'm on my way to heaven, on my way to heaven. I will not turn back, I will not turn back. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now, say this. I'm going to add something. Say, Father, Father, set me free now, set me free now, from every bondage of sin, from every bondage of sin. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now let me pray for you. Lift your hands. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Every bondage of the enemy that was set to bind you, it's burn off your life by fire now. Well, the thing that used to have victory over you, you now walk in victory over it. You will serve the Lord with a great fire and a great passion. You'll not only know the right thing to do, God puts the power in you to do it. In Jesus' name, no more backward steps in the name of Jesus. Father, every one of these that I see tonight, the same way they're standing before me, may not one of them be missing in heaven. In Jesus' name, they'll never be the same from tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, in the name of Jesus, every private battle they fought that no one knows about, I thank you you give them the victory over it now. In Jesus' name, I bless you, I bless you, I bless you. Life won't be hard anymore. In Jesus' name, be blessed. You can put your hands down. You keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. So now you just make right whatever you need to make right. So you're a guy standing here and you, you know, you realize you're living with someone in a relationship can't do that anymore. So you just bring it under the blood. You make a decision to get married, move out until you get married. Don't make it more difficult than it has to be. I'm not saying you have to marry the person, but you got to make a decision. And God will help you. God always helps you when you move in the right direction. Whatever the pressure is that gets turned up against you, God will give you aid to overcome. But you know, you got to just make up your mind. I mean, that's why I have people come forward. Like the same strength that it took you to come out of your seat and in a room full of strangers, just say, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to do the right thing. The same way God gave you that grace and power, then you just walk in that the rest of your life. And every tough decision you have to make, do the right thing, not the easy thing. And God will help you, and I'll help you too. Let me see your right hand. Let me see your right hand. Lift the other hand to the Lord. be the same. Very proud of you. You can look up at me. Very important that you get plugged in to a good church. This is a good church. If you don't have a home church, 
plug in here. If you didn't care much for my preaching, good news is I'm not the pastor. I leave Friday. And the pastor is one of the, you know, maybe arguably the best guy on the planet. The pastor is the same church for 55 years. No scandal, no money scandal, no women scandal, no dr- no, just like an angel. Mm-hmm. And that's here. So if you don't have a home church, please plug in here. If you do have a home church and it's the most boring place you've ever been, you hate it, switch. Come where the power of God is and God will help what you receive tonight, it'll grow. So I'll give you one more thing and this is optional. I'll give you two things. Number one, I'm here tomorrow night at 7 and Friday night at 7 and every night's different and every night builds on the night before. So maybe just make up your mind that you're going to make the next 48 hours the 48 most spiritual hours you've ever had. I'm going to just plug in two more meetings. What God started now, He'll complete. And then uh, number two, if you go on my website, revivaltoday.com, there's a button that says, I just got saved. If you fill that out, I'll mail you a bunch of product. Like if I could spend 90 minutes with you, any questions you have, like what do I do now? I made materials for that, and I'll mail them to you, and then you're kept on a separate list. No, no soliciting for funds, no buying cookies to help an orphanage, nothing. Just give you something. Where like if I could spend time with you, that way I can, but then it's not creepy with me coming over to your house and just sitting and talking to you. All right? So revivaltoday.com and you click I just got saved. Welcome to the family of God. Your sins are all forgiven. In Jesus' name. You can go back to your seat. Give them a great big hand clap as they return to their seat. Come on, give them a big, big hand clap. Lift both hands to the Lord. Permit me to bless you before Pastor Charlie comes and gives you a proper benediction. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. I will see you tomorrow at 7 o'clock.